We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, 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 we're back. Cold night in Stark Vegas, if you will. Uh, dogs win 45-19. Uh, as always, welcome to the DGD Podcast. Robert Reynolds, Juan Daniels, Kobe Pierce. Uh, listen, we're going to talk. We're going to review the Mississippi State game. The SEC Championship game has now been set. Um, and we're going to bring out the updated DGD CFP poll. All right? So we've got a lot to cover. And officially, just one official on Twitter, the Georgia Bulldogs will be the first reigning champion since 1998 to not have a night game at home. Georgia Tech will be a noon kickoff for the last game of the year. The the unfortunate thing was we expected this from a from a million light years away. Um, <clears throat> so there is that. Um. But, yeah, I mean, I guess let's do this. Let's start off with that, Kobe. Since you break the news, what are your thoughts on Georgia and I getting a night game? I think that it just shows how excited we all all are in some way or another that we're moving away from the CBS deal. I mean, it just it, it's going to push ESPN to, you know, that 7 o'clock game will be the game of the week. Um, I think that starts in maybe like 2024, 2025, something like that. I think um, that. I think next. I think next year is when that stops. I think next year is the last year of CBS, so that'd be twenty twenty three. So that means twenty twenty four would be ESPN starting, maybe. Um, but still, anyways, uh, it just will push it to that CBS game of the week. Won't be at three thirty. It'll be the ESPN game of the week at seven or seven thirty. So there'll definitely be more incentive um, to having night games if you're a good team. There won't there won't be any more like Florida Vanderbilt's on SEC Network or SEC Network Plus at seven o'clock, and it's because nobody wants to watch it, so we're putting them there. But like Georgia Tennessee, that everybody wants to watch it at three thirty because that's their prime time slot. It's it's kind of like you know, it's like the big um, the Big Ten that does noon kickoff. Like how terrible would that be? The your game of the week's at noon or in their case, sometimes 11 a.m., depending on the time zone. So, Yeah, no, I, I think I think moving prompt – if if the Georgia-Tennessee game had 13 million viewers, 
at a 330 slot. Just imagine what it would have done at seven. Just imagine. It would, I, th I think that's uh, telling, if you will. Uh, Juan, what are your thoughts on this uh, no night game situation? Uh, you know, I, I'm the same. If, if it's going to be prime time, 330 is going to be, you know, that, that time that you really want to get excited about. You know, a, a lot of times, you know, me personally, I'm taking a nap around 12, 12 o'clock, you know, just so I can get ready for that 3.30 primetime game. And then maybe if there's a big time game um, later on. So, you know, it, and it's Georgia Tech. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Let's just go ahead and get this done so we can get prepared to go to the SEC championship. Nah, yeah. Nah, nah. <laughs> oh, man, ain't it crazy, though? If, if you look at this, we're going to talk more about this Wednesday, but you know, after Mississippi State, obviously Georgia clinches the SEC East uh, to to the dismay of Tennessee Vol fans. Um, however, when you look at the remaining two games for Georgia, um, it's it's promising. It's very promising. Um, you have Kentucky that just lost to Vanderbilt. Congratulations, Vanderbilt! By the way, congratulations. Three years, and you finally get your first conference win. Congratulations. That's awesome. Against the future number one overall pick, Will Levis. <laughs> All the poetic justice is real there. The J-O-double-G gets her naps, too, because she's old. Yeah, fair enough. A noon kick in Utah is tough. That's like a 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock kick. She's probably already out doing yard work at that point At that point in time. Sewing, using her new sewing machine, that type of stuff. Uh, knitting. Yes, knitting. knitting. Anyways, uh, let's, go ahead and let's do this. 45 to 19. And honestly, I think it's interesting with that score because at halftime, it was not that. It was actually close. <clears throat> Excuse me, 17, 14 and a half, right? Um, Georgia kind of played sloppy in that first half and then just proceeded to hit the reset button and dominate, if you will. Um, overall, overall takeaways. Juan, I know you were out in uh, Utah, but what were your takeaways from this game Saturday? Um, again, just just being that team that does what they're supposed to do. Georgia's now proven to be that second half team. You know, they it, it's it's cold. You know, you're 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 playing an away game. Those cowbells are probably crazy, but at the end of the day, Georgia does exactly what they're supposed to do. I think every game that they play right now is going to be a statement game to say, hey, we're not we're not playing around. Um, you know, you may you know hang with us in the first half, which is again, you look at the. Um, you know, the, the Kent State game where the games that, you know, look like, oh, wow, wow, it's been a struggle. That first half was, you know, not great. But once they get their feet settled and everything is settled in, then, you know, here, here comes that here comes that George machine. You know, you're just mowing you down. You know, one of the key takeaways for me, though, one was we 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 turned the ball over as well twice. Um, but I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend Stetson Bennett here. All right. So there's two passes. One, he had Lad McConkie deep. He had him deep. Uh, if you watch it, you saw he had he had him deep. Uh, his arm gets hit, and if you're if if you have any kind of quarterback experience, you understand that obviously any you know any out interference there with your arm, you know, obviously getting hit, you know, ultimately that's on you. But at the same time, I'm not going to be the one to harp on that too much. 
right? Uh, the second one, the second interception was kind of a – it was a, just a wild interception where it hits – it basically the, – uh, the defender slaps it, but then it falls into the chest of Cedric Van Prant. So the guy just takes it off of his chest. Like two funky, weird type interceptions, right? Like I'm not going to be sweating over that even though – you know, if you look at any other team outside of Georgia, it seems like two turnovers, this game is going to be close. Uh, Georgia just proceeds to, like I said, win by 26 um, on the road for that matter. So, man, it's, it's, it's interesting to see that Georgia can still kind of, you know, have those turnovers and still be as dominant as, as we've seen Saturday. Kobe, I'm going to turn it over to you, though. What are your takeaways from this game? I think um... – I mean, you know, I think people forget where you're really dealing with 18, 19, 20, 21, Stetson's 25, whatever you want to call it, kids. Um, you know, you played an emotional home game last weekend that, against a team that everybody doubted you. And, you know, you really went out there and dominated that game. And you roll into Mississippi State, it's cold, it's at night, hostile environment with the Cowbells, you know, it, I think the biggest takeaway for me in the first half is, you know, Kirby is still showing that he is growing and evolving and letting Munkin kind of take the reins at times because, you know, old school Kirby, when we had the ball to end the half, would have ran the clock, bled the clock, and would have never punted that ball. And if you had to ask him right now, I'm sure he would have told you, yeah, we probably should have bled the clock and never even punted that ball. And, and you're looking at this game probably would have been 45 to 12 had you bled that clock properly. Yeah, that, that's it, second, it's that, part that, of that, it sometimes. It's part of that we want to go score. We want to, like, take this risk. Well, we took this risk, and then we have a below-average punt, you know, whatever you want to call it. You give up the big punt return, and you do. You go in the half closer than it should have been and they get to score one more touchdown than they should have. I mean, this game could have easily been, you know, 45-13 or, or worse. Um, at, at the end of the day, you know, you can't expect us to play perfect every half of every game we play in. I mean, you dominated Tennessee from start to finish. You dominated Mississippi State the moment, you know, the second half started. You're going to dominate Kentucky – you know, probably three out of four, maybe four out of four quarters, and you're going to have your way with Georgia Tech, however you want to look at that. Um, you know, I think that some of our fans are worried that that you haven't always put together this, like, four-quarter complete game since Oregon. But, I mean, at some point, you're so dominant in the second half, it doesn't matter. You know, I think you bring up a good point, right? That, that clock management, I, th I think it was interesting. Um, but, but I think one of my takeaways for this as well, though, is, you know, we see the punt return touchdown and it honestly drives home the importance of every aspect of the game. You want, you know, Kirby's aspect is to dominate the entire game. Um, you know, everybody looks at it from a quarter's perspective. Why don't we just look at it from a, a you know, a third, uh, you have offense and defense, which I think we handled that for the most part. But the special teams, it, it costs us, right? It costs us seven points. Um, looking Moving forward, I, I genuinely think that you're going to see an emphasis on the special teams. I, people can call that clock management, you know, for what it's worth. And at the time, I get it. But at, in retrospect, like, 
you know, it, it, I think we knew it was a matter of time before Georgia just separated themselves, uh, which is, if you look at it, it's a, a vast contrast from our last road night game, right? Everybody wants to keep harping on Missouri still. Um, but what I saw Saturday was a completely different team when when given the kind of same scenario, if you will, right? Hostile environment, night game on the road. Now, I don't think Missouri was cold, but it was cold. It was in the 30s during that game. So playing football in the cold is not fun. But the, the fact that you've seen Georgia pull away, dominate, uh, you know, assert their will in the on the offensive line and, and moving the ball offensively, being extremely physical uh, defensively, uh, you know, I, I think that kind of – I, to me, I feel like it kind of broke the will of Mississippi State, but the coverage and the tackling and things like that, like when it gets cold, it, it's not fun. But I think Georgia's built differently than most in a sense where where you're so comfortable being physical that it doesn't matter. You know, you see what I mean? Like you can be cold and it won't matter. Like it's just they just do what they do. Um I guess the next question I do want to ask, and Juan, I'll start with you first. What was your what was a pleasant surprise for you offensively, or not even offensively throughout the game? I should say. Um, you know, you know, just the 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 passing yards was was, was great. You know, to almost have three hundred yards passing, and it's it's cold. Um, it's it, it's a miserable day to be passing the ball. You know, those are days that you just want to ground and pound. But for us to have almost 300 yards of passing, receivers that are open, uh, Ladd McConkey did a great job of, of catching the football, you know, some great passes out to the tight ends. Uh, I just thought that that was great. That was a plus because those are going to be the things that we're going to need to have happen for these teams that are going to come out and try to stop the run. You know, if, if, if I'm kind of, you know, looking out, looking at a, a national championship, if we match up against, say, a Michigan, Michigan is very, very good stopping the run. So we're going to have to be able to, to throw the ball um, in, in any condition. And so for us to throw the ball 300 yards, almost 300 yards in those conditions, I thought that was great. That was a very pleasant surprise. You're 100% right. Kobe, what, what are you pleasantly surprised taking away from Saturday's uh, win? I just think you you just always have to be pleasantly surprised in, in your offensive coordinator and his ability to get – a variety of of your best players active in the in the um, just in the offense. I mean, you look at Ladd has seventy yards rushing and a touchdown, and seventy yards receiving and a touchdown. That's just the kind of things like you know Bow. That's the the things you've seen him do with Bowers. You've seen him do with Ladd. I mean, the things eventually like if Ad Mitchell gets back, your passing game to him is going to look completely different. You know, I really think that. You've had an ability to throw the ball to Ladd a lot because teams are trying to take away Bowers. Darnell had a good game, you know, five catches, his first touchdown on the year. You know, the more he starts to to explore those guys and say, okay, we can't force the ball to Bowers ten times this game because they're double covering him. We have to still do similar things with other people, though. You know, seeing Ladd, Ladd being able to run the ball and do things like that, and then, like you said, it's a cold game. Nobody likes all of a sudden it was warm in Athens all week. It's in the 70s, maybe the 60s. All of a sudden, Saturday, you get over to Starkville and it's 38. I mean, you can't just be prepared for that. You you know, Kirby's going to be like, we haven't worn sleeves all week, so you can't wear sleeves today. 
you know, things like small things like that, that people don't even realize. So, and, and at the end of the, at the beginning of the year, if I'd have told you that between Florida, Tennessee, and, and um, Mississippi state that we were three and O and dominated all three games. I feel like any fan would take that. I, there, of course, are like nitpicky things, but we've really looked extremely well offensively in all three games. You know, you really have to tip the tip your hat to to uh, Coach Schumann and Coach Muschamp here. Uh, <clears throat> you you bring up those three games, and in those three games, right? Obviously, this is a part of our gauntlet, or I wouldn't say gauntlet, but our our tough stretch, right? Out, you know, on the back half of that bye week, and each team, right? You face a different, uh, I guess you could say, a set of problems, if you will, uh, offensively, right? So the game plan for each of these three games were completely different. You know, you really didn't see any type of commonalities between these three. Uh, and, and for the defense to go out there and execute it to the level that they did, uh, you know, you like I said, you tip the hat off to Schumann and Coach Muschamp, right, for – executing the or set orchestrating these game plans but the defense you know to be as young and, and what people want to say is young and um you know obviously not as experienced uh, as last season to go out there and execute it to that level for these three games to me that that's remarkable that, that really is remarkable um you know you've seen you know smile munden had himself a game uh malachi starks was doing fine um you know but at the same time you look at the guy like jalen walker was in uh, Jalen Carter had himself a game, right? So all these guys, right, there's no one in particular uh, that really, you know, was like the alpha male, right? It's just a collective group uh, that swarms to the ball. And, and it's a no-name defense, right? It's, it's becoming a, a recurring, I guess you could say, occurrence. Uh, so for me, I think the three games that you talked about, having, you know, different game plans for each and executing to the level that we did, to me, that's what really stood out to me. I mean, offensively, yes. You know, Juan, you talked about the, you know, passing in the cold conditions. That's that's not fun to do. Uh, from a receiver, Juan, you know this. It hurts. It hurts when you catch the ball. Um, so, you know, to be able to go there and execute to the level that we did offensively and defensively, for that matter, I think overall you're looking at this game as, you know, you have to take away everything for the most part uh, in a positive light. But I think the question now is game balls. Who, Juan, who's your game ball going to? Man, I, I would probably have to say if I'm thinking about it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I, you know, I, obviously, I, I would give it to um, Lad McConkey. I mean, Lad McConkey, you know, came out, you know, ran. I, I, yes, I will definitely give it to him. Coming out that second half, that was huge. Like, that was a big time. I mean, it's 17 to 12. You know, it's, it's a little bit shaky. Everybody's kind of like, uh, and then he just comes out there, explodes, and then from there, the game just got busted wide open. That's a good point. I mean, when you look at that touchdown open in the half, <clears throat> that was that was the moment where Georgia fans needed that because, like it's, like like we had talked about, right? The clock management led to, led to them getting a touchdown right before the half on the special teams punt return. So to go out there and execute that play. And, and really just take the crowd out of it to start the half for the rest of the game, that, that, was, that was a game-changing moment, if you will. Uh, Kobe, who's your game ball going to? I'm going to do one for each side always. like to just um, Darnell Washington getting the big touchdown finally, getting, getting in the end zone, just feeling like, you know, I mean, we all understand and, and people that follow football really closely understand, but – he does a lot of thankless work, and that's what Kirby always preaches on. Is anytime you see Lad running for a touchdown or Brock, you know, you never always see that that dirty work Darnell's doing blocking somebody. I mean, my man against Tennessee absolutely disrespected a corner in open in open field, blocked him to his back with one push. I mean, if you're a GM, you're just drooling at the fact that, that this guy can do the things he can do. And then Jalen Carter, in what really to me has been his healthiest game since Missouri, just kind of showed you why he's that bona fide top five, you know, maybe even top three pick. And he had a sack. He had two tackles for loss. I think he had seven total tackles as a defensive lineman. And that's just the kind of player that, you know, if – as Georgia starts getting deeper in this season, the healthier he gets, if you get back A.D. Mitchell and the healthier he gets, I mean, you're looking at the SC Championship could be your healthiest game you've played since Oregon. You just have to start getting more and more excited about that. I've got two, but I'm going on the same side of the ball. You ready for this? First one, Kiaris Jackson. My man had the game of the season for him uh, Saturday night. What, Juan, I want to ask your opinion on this. You you probably know where I'm going with that catch where he where the acrobatic catch. Yep. That looked extremely difficult, and I'm and I'm sure as a receiver that is not easy to do. Well, it, it it's it, it it's not as hard as you think it is. I mean, because again, it's a back kind of like a back shoulder kind of fade looking ball. So he just basically just had to read it, but he skied over that guy and just you know just jumped and you know and, and, and snagged that ball. You know, and I, I kind of liked, you know, how he stepped over and looked at him, you know, kind of looked down. And then, of course, he's looking into the camera and everybody's just getting getting really hype. And, you know, that that's what he needed. He needed something like that. And I think that the Georgia offense kind of needed some something like that. You know, we, we've, we've seen from the Blaylocks, we've seen from, you know, Arian Smith. But when you have a stable of receivers that can just come out and, and, and do things like that, I mean, it's going to be tough to just, you know, lock down one person without the other person kind of dominating you. I felt like the DB at that in that play played it about as good as you can. I just think Kier's just made the play, which yeah. that's just a testament to Kier's being a playmaker. Um, but I think I want to give my second game ball 
to Kendall Milton, uh, coming back off the injury and finally getting that, that bump your head on the goalpost run. I've been talking about this for most of the season. Like if you watched, if you go back and you watched, you know, Kendall, you would see that he, he was patient and analyzing the holes and the gaps that he needed to go through. But it seemed like he was always getting hit, you know, tackled at the shoestring tackled or whatever. That didn't happen. And and he finally, you saw it right to the final touchdown pretty much where he just scampers in from, I think, like 30 yards out or something like that. Uh, a quick, if that was, I think it was like a quick 30-yarder. But, like, he, to me, it was just one of those things where, like, you, you hadn't heard much of the running game. And to me, I think that's going to be key moving forward. Um, you know, Georgia, obviously, we pass more than we uh, run, but we still assert ourselves on trying to run the ball and, and running it effectively. Uh, if you remember, in 2020, we ran the ball for eight yards, eight solo, eight singular. For so for me, you know, seeing <clears throat> seeing that run when, for the most part, the you know most of the night. You know, things have been kind of limited, if you will. Uh, it was a sight to a fr- breath of fresh air for me. Um, but obviously that kind of redemption story ties into it as well, where you know he's been lingered with injury, uh, limited with injury, I should say, excuse me. But for him to sit there, come back, and just, boom, run right into it, it was beautiful to see. Uh, so those are, our, you know, those are our game balls. Uh, Joel brings up a good question here. She says, it seems like Mississippi came to play. Uh, but after the beginning of the second half, they knew they were done, and it was awesome. Yeah, I think, Juan, you talked about that Lad McConkie run. And like I said, I think that was the beginning of the end, if you will. Um, you know, moving forward, that momentum, you know, after that touchdown, really it, it, it swung the momentum for the defense as well, if you think about it. Uh, things got a lot harder for Mississippi State uh, moving the ball, Right they would get a few first downs after that, but it was very hard. And then they started going for fourth downs and, and even fourth and shorts, right. Fourth and short yardage situations and still weren't completing and getting the first down. Uh, was it, there was one in particular, I want to say it was like a fourth and two. And I think it was, it was it Malachi or Javon Buller to somebody, I forgot who it was uh, open field tackle and, and, and got the guy's legs and, and, made him fly into the air, he ended up short. Um, it, that's a big play because if that tackle's not made, he's he's in the end zone, I'm pretty sure. So, you know, hats off to the defense again for, for just making plays. You know, tackling, again, is, has been one of our strong points, it feels like, uh, especially in the secondary, right? And to me, you know, you look at the coverage – yeah, yeah, we were able to play man and mix it in with some zone, and to me, that's that's so relieving because, like I said, if we want if we want to look back in 2020, we were petrified of playing any type of man coverage. The one time that we did, we got cooked for a 65 yard touchdown. Now you start to see guys playing, you know, like I said, more man in there, and that's a testament to Kirby trusting the uh, the defensive backs. And and if you're Georgia, you're loving that. Well, that's a testament, I think, to what you've seen the past three recruiting cycles, including this one upcoming. You've signed the best DB class two years ago, possibly the best DB class ever a year ago, 
and then are are you know pushing to sign some good DBs again this year, and, and you've lost some good DBs along the the road to the transfer portal that that are still playing places. Um, you know, he definitely is putting emphasis on on being able to play man coverage with good safeties and good DBs, and and he has that team now that he wants that he that he maybe didn't in 2019, 2020 kind of time where he 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 did have his questions. I'm just saying right now, Georgia fans, you probably are aware of this. Soak in the three years of Malachi Starks. Please do. That's all I'm gonna say. It's, it's that simple. I, I do wanna I, I do wanna transition it though because with the victory, Georgia clinches the SEC East. Uh, and, and after the things, after games taking place Saturday, the SEC championship game now is set. And it's not who you think it is. Y'all know this by now. Typically, we're looking at a Bama-Georgia matchup, and, but that is not the case. Um, so now you're looking at Georgia taking on Brian Kelly, right? Brian Kelly and the LSU team. First year of the, you know, first year of the under the program and, and tutelage of Brian Kelly there in Baton Rouge, and you're already in Atlanta, and hats off to that, and hats off to me because I think I was the closest one evaluating this uh, before the season. I'm just going to let y'all know that. All right, LSU won. Now I had him going second, so I was at least the closest. I was even wrong. I had him. I had Bama winning the the West, but you know I got to get I got to soak it in a little bit, man, because my picks have been dead last on paper. On paper, who wouldn't have had Bama winning it though? I guess is the now, to your to that point though. This is why games are played on the field. However, come with that being said, obviously now you take a look at Georgia versus LSU matchup, and to me, I think this is a matchup that Georgia can easily exploit. I, I really do. You're gonna ha- and it's beneficial for Georgia to have the speed at linebacker. Because Jaden Daniels is a very mobile quarterback. However, defensively, I think if you can contain and keep him in the pocket, it's going to be a long night because that that offensive line has gotten a lot better. But we saw some massive issues to start the season. And to me, I think if LSU is you know LSU's offense is doing just fine uh, under Jaden Daniels finally. But a lot of it is predicated on him running. So if you can limit him to running the ball and keeping him in the pocket, it might get ugly. It might get ugly. But there, I'm telling you right now, LSU defensively with B.J. Ojolari and Harold Perkins, by the way, if you're not familiar with that, that kid was playing a high school ball last year. Uh, that defense is good. That defense is very good. And they're, I, th- I think you're going to see them get after it, try to get to Stetson Bennett, right? We're doing a way too early preview here. But if you take a look at it, I think Georgia's weapons are too much for LSU to overcome. I just wh- – wh- what are y'all's thoughts on that Well, from a way too early standpoint? Well, I, I think, you know, Perkins is one man. And, yes, he is he has played fantastic a- a- as a freshman and uh, – but but if you look at it, the, their struggles against Arkansas without a KJ Jefferson, 
I just I, I just don't see them faring very well. As far as you know, Jaden Daniels is a is a pretty good quarterback. He's mobile, but we faced Anthony Richardson from a from a running standpoint. We faced uh, the Auburn quarterback from a running standpoint, so I'm not worried about that. He's a pretty decent passer. But guess what? We've faced some some really good passers too. So he's the total package. However, I just think that we're going to be able to bottle them up. And if they're struggling against Arkansas, I, I'm not worried by any stretch of the means. It was cold that night, Willie. Yeah. <laughs> not Rude says not enough steam in the engine to keep it up uh, for all four quarters. I mean, yes, I think. I just read you. I read you some things from you know their common opponent with us so far, Tennessee, which. You hate doing sometimes. They only ran the ball for 55 yards, and 38 of those yards were Jaden Daniels himself. Um, they did throw the ball for 300 yards, but we know against Tennessee that they don't care. They um, that's a that's a participation trophy at this point. LSU had only scored seven points until the fourth quarter when they scored another touchdown or kicked two field goals. I'm not exactly sure. Um, oh, they scored another touchdown. They ran for a touchdown or threw for one, one or the other. Um, but really, I mean, they limited Tennessee, limited Kayshawn Boutte. He only had six catches for 33 yards and their one touchdown. Um, you know, uh, uh, at some point, yeah, they had 300 yards, but they threw the ball 45 times for 32 completions, um, averaging just around six and a half yards of completion. You know, that that's the you run the ball for 55 yards against us, and that's that's the recipe for disaster for that's you. That's an ass whipping. What you that's, what you saying? That's it's not good. Typically, <laughs> so Roots Roots brings up another point. Kirby addressed that with our uh, with our depth, and you can see how we don't have one star who does it all. Uh, referring back to uh, Juan's comment about uh, Perkins, you know, but a team that shares the load and performance. Re referring to Georgia, you know, and, and I think that's what makes this team so scary, right? Uh, you know, last year you look at the defense, right? You have five first rounders on that team. You have a plethora of NFL talent anyway. But I feel, like I said, I, I feel like this team is more, it's scary because they're more versatile, if you see what I mean. Um, because they're, they're smart enough and they're athletic enough to play a multitude of different things that are being asked, uh, and you, you, it's just, it's just downright terrifying because if you think you can run on us, good luck. But we're able to sit there and stop, you know, shut down potent offenses right, from a passing perspective. You know, able to come in and, and solo, you know, rally to the ball, tackle, open space tackling. It, it's just scary, if you will, to think about it. Um, horrible. Sounds like my success rate hitting on one. <laughs> also, zero, zero sacks against Tennessee. That's how many LSU had that day. Yeah, that was – I mean, I, you have to be careful with this with this common opponent, even though I get it, because there, there seems to be this transitive property that comes along with it. Uh, if you're not careful, you can go down that rabbit hole. But I'm, I'm not just, saying – I'm not saying yeah. everything, but I'm just yeah. saying – we had seven sacks against that same offense. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm all for it. I, you know, even when we were going to the Tennessee game and I'm sitting there looking at common opponents and I was like, there's not a single common opponent that Tennessee played that we wouldn't dominate. And then, of course, what, what does that translate to? 
us completely dominating Tennessee. I mean, you have a point. I think I just think that Georgia, <clears throat> before the season, I was really worried about this. But the way it stands now, there's really a thought in my head and a good one at that, like a, actually somewhat of a strong belief in my head that Georgia can repeat. I was very hesitant about that. I know where you're going. I know where you're going. We take it a week at a time here. We're, long, we're a long way from talking about that. No, I, I long get long way from talking about that. Again, I'm taking it a week at a time. Why? Well, I'm just. I'm getting. I'm getting told to. National champions. I'm. I, I, listen. I said at the beginning of the season last year, and sure enough, we were we were national champions. I just don't. I just don't see anybody. I just don't see it. Really also. Back to common opponents real quick, and then y'all can have y'all's natty talk all y'all want to. Um, Harold Perkins, if y'all watched that game, was that tackle was getting helped by a running back. Yeah. Say hello to Darnell Washington for me on that help, on that Dude. chip help block, and see how good that's going for you. I'm gonna I'm gonna give Harold Perkins credit though. As a true freshman, oh he's good. He, that he's like balled again. You have to you have to think he's freshman all uh, all American. There's but no question. Darnell. Good luck. Dar yeah, Darnell, Darnell with it. I don't even know. They call it a chip block. My man gave him the whole damn bag. All right. A whole bag of chips. Wow. He do, he just decimates people, man. He's so I've big. seen Darnell do mean things to better players. That, that's scary to hear that. That, that sounds like a prison story. <laughs> but no, so let's do this. Let's transition away from LSU. We've got some time to talk about that, uh, which obviously we will do that on our uh, doing that of the week of the SEC championship game. But now speaking of LSU, uh, you know, I'm sure they're probably going to move up in the rankings uh, Tuesday night. But before we do that, welcome to the updated – Never, never wrong, right? This is our DGD CFP poll, updated poll here. Um, listen, the top four did not change, okay? Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, TCU. You can at me all you want to. Ohio State, it's right, right now, from this point, from the start of the season to this point, I think Michigan is the more complete team. However, we're about to find out next week, folks who the real one is with that being said our top four did not change but after that all hell broke loose it's that simple all hell broke loose looking at it right here five through 11 Tennessee at number five LSU slides up to number six uh, USC the Trojans number seven Bama takes a step up winning it uh Ole Miss even if it was ugly to number eight, Utah slides up to number nine, Oregon falling back to number 10 after that loss to UW, and then at 11, you have Penn State. Listen, Penn State at 11, people might want to give, you know, give, uh, give some grief to Penn State, but Penn State's two losses were to Ohio State and Michigan. Yes. What's that? Me, I would like to give them grief because they are terrible, and that is all I have to say about that. Damn. Uh, before we go, uh, Kobe, is Diet Coke the secret to Swolders? Yes. 
<laughs> Why are you gonna give your damn secrets away, man? Nice Samson, man. Come on, man. You can't give secrets away. Swolders and four years of Coach Sinclair. That <laughs> Rude. Rude. I, I I was I saw him in person and, and I can I can confirm that. You definitely look like uh Cam Rising. I saw, right, him, so, this, I saw him this weekend. So yeah. Rude's so Rude's equals Cam Rising. Yes. Copy that. That's a that's a noted graphic coming up soon, um, <laughs> if possible. We'll see what happens. Uh, but listen, moving on. Uh, twelve through eighteen, UNC at number twelve. UNC could there could be a chance that UNC. Speaking of UNC, they have a date in uh, Charlotte with Clemson. Uh, that ACC title game is confirmed, uh, and that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, so I have UNC at 12, and then Clemson at 13. 14, Ole Miss sides down after the loss to Alabama. Notre Dame taking a huge jump up to 15. Florida State making somewhat of the same, moving to 16. UCLA, after that loss to Arizona, um, Jaden Delar just took over that game. Uh, UCLA at 17, and then Kansas State at 18. Um this is where it gets interesting because this is where that, like I said, all hell broke loose. Yeah. Uh, Pac-12 cannibalized itself. Um, it was just wild. It really was. Um, and I would Clemson, say don't be surprised, um, you know, tomorrow night if you see UNC and Clemson higher. Um, the committee definitely we've seen historically is going to give the ACC champion, if they are a one-loss team, at least a chance. And and I, I just think that that's that, but they are whether it's right or whether it's wrong. It if you're twelve and one and the ACC champ, expect one of the two of them to be floating around the top six. The, the I'll, I'll tell you this right now, and I think it's going to happen because uh, USC has UCLA this week, which is going to be a rivalry game. They've got Notre Dame. Game. If they and win that and they win the Pac-12, USC will be in it. They'll be team number four. This is and how it's going to play out, you've, and you've heard it here first. It's going to be Georgia, Michigan, then it's going to be um, Tennessee, and then it's going to be um, USC. Juan, let's do this before before Are you we talk about TCU. That, hold on, hold on, hold on, guys. Let's do TCU's this. TCU's going to they're 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 going to they're going to lose. They'll end up they'll end up. Let's, up let's do this before year. the championship game, or are you still oh, calling like championship? At, game? Yeah, yeah. After, yeah, they're, they're you uh, TCU always ends up doing some type of silly blunder. That's gonna that's gonna mess them up. Let, let's do this. Let's finish off the rankings and let's have a discussion, a theoretical discussion on these four. So to round out the top twenty-five, UCF at nineteen, Washington at twenty, NC State twenty-one, Cincinnati at twenty-two, Coastal Carolina at twenty-three, Oregon State at twenty-four, and Texas at twenty-five. Those are that is the DGD CFP poll. But now we lead to a quick debate on the – and we can each talk about this. Who are your four? Juan, you, you said it, just reiterate it again to start it back off. But who are your four? And, and we'll give a brief, quick answer on why. Yeah, it, it's, it's going to be Georgia. It'll be Michigan. It'll be Tennessee. And then it'll be USC. Um, USC, I think if, if they go through and they're going to – if they win the, the Pac-12 – um, they're going to have more ranked 
uh, more ranked wins. They're going to have beaten Washington. They'll have beaten Oregon. They'll have beaten um, Notre Dame at the end of the season, which is going to be huge. UCLA is a pretty good team. Um, so I just see them. And not not to mention just the just the glam of having a USC uh, playing a Georgia is just, I mean, who, who doesn't want to see that? I mean, if you sit there and say, hey, uh, TCU is going to play who's going to play Georgia, you're going to be like, eh. eh. But a USC to have, you know, Tennessee versus a, um, you, you know, a Michigan and then a and Georgia versus USC, that's going to be a Final Four that people would go above and beyond to see. Nobody wants to see Clemson. Nobody wants to see UNC, um, you know, play though. It's just not there. And if you compare the Pac-12 versus the ACC this year, I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer. Kobe, who's your four if, for, at, at this point? And what we're going to do, folks, what we're going to do, we're going to talk our top four each Monday until it really matters, okay? But starting now, Kobe, if you had to choose right now, what are your four for the playoffs? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think the biggest difference will be just if TCU has a blunder or not. I mean, I think right now we can all agree that that the pack the one lost Pac-12 champions in the SEC championship winner Georgia will be in. Um, winner of Michigan Ohio State has the clear route to win the Big Ten. I mean, if you look at the other side of the Big Ten, it's it could it's be it, it is could be the worst conference, like subconference. <laughs> Everybody's like four and three. It's yeah. so bad. They're like all fighting to Purdue. see. Purdue Purdue could be playing yeah. in the Big Ten championship. Purdue. Yep. Purdue. So uh, you know, I think that Michigan Ohio State winner is in. I think we all think it'll be Michigan. I think we think they're the better overall team um, this year. Uh, I just – I can't shape the fact that, that Clemson or UNC, one or the other, would be 12-1. and one. I know that they're both not good, but I just know that they're going to want to see conference champions. They just historically – I'm just talking like, as far as the as far as the playoff has gone historically, they love conference champions, and so I, I think this this ranking, where UNC and Clemson are in this ranking, or like maybe next ranking, will really start kind of picking. Do you see a route of Clemson or them winning out? Can they climb? Is there enough meat on the bone to climb high enough? And as far as the, the, ACC, Notre, Dame, the Notre Dame loss is going to hurt, it's going to hurt Clemson bad. I, I don't mean, care if they're ranked or not. One, that was, that they'll was look bad. at you at USC beat probably beat the breaks off of Notre Dame, and then you got the breaks beat off of you by Clemson. So, and fun fact Notre Dame beat both of them, which is crazy. Notre Dame beat UNC <laughs> and Notre Dame beat yeah, Clemson. So they're good. both of their one loss is both to Notre yeah. Dame. That's terrible. That's terrible. I, I'm going to make my prediction right here. I want before I want to preface this by saying congratulations to TCU so far. I hope you I hope you went out right because I don't want Tennessee in this bitch. I don't because fuck the balls. That's why. But hear me out. My prediction is this: you have to play somebody again, and I feel like you might have TCU Kansas State. 
making that prediction now, right? We don't know yet, but TCU and probably Kansas State maybe. But if TCU wins out, it's going. To, if TCU wins out, it's going to be, in my opinion, Georgia. I think Michigan, but the winner of the Michigan Ohio State game, obviously, and then TCU. Honestly, I think USC can do this, but it's going to be difficult. If they win out, they win. They're in the playoffs. Uh, if I guess I think that USC is the no-brainer in the playoffs because their one loss is a one-point loss. I mean, it's not like they got blown out. I mean, yeah. So I mean, it, give me USC. I think they can handle it. Um, it's going to be interesting though because it, once they come against the defense, they can somewhat slow them down. That's where it gets very tricky with USC because their defense has gotten better, but it's still nowhere near it needs to be to really make waves in the playoffs. Because they are going to get punished. I mean, absolutely punished. And I know that they've got Jordan Addison, who's like a Boletnikoff winner, and they've got Caleb Williams and all that other kind of stuff. But if they are the number four team and they play Georgia, they are going to get punished. And I think I, everybody wants to see that. I watched that offensive line. That offensive line is making Caleb Williams do a lot of scrambling when he don't want to. And he's going out there and making some crazy. Being honest, besides Ohio State, I think, and Alabama in 2017, what four seed has not just gotten punished? Absolutely. I mean, it seems like it's every yeah. year, every year the four seed just gets absolutely wrecked. Yeah, and we all love it. I mean, yeah. God, we saw we saw Notre Dame get demolished, Oklahoma get demolished. Like, yeah, but I'm I'm a little bit different from you, Robert. Um, you you know, I I, I like complete dominant championships. And I'd love to see Tennessee again. I, I no, really, really, well, I really. That was really where I was like, getting to. I was going to say that the second time was going to be even worse. So yeah. So my thought was this: like, if if Tennessee or sorry, if TCU wins out, I think you obviously give them the spot. And if USC wins out, you give them the four spot. But do we really think TCU? We we have to give some credit to TCU because they have doubted. They have proved a lot of people wrong. But if they were to go down. Tennessee will be that four spot or three spot for that matter. And I think USC could still be that four spot because if we saw 13 million people on a regular season game, imagine if Tennessee beats the winner of the Michigan Ohio state game and then goes to play a safe, if Georgia and have a rematch of that game in, in LA, it would be stupid. It'd be stupid. Uh, but my four, uh, it's, it's dependent. Give me, give me this though. Here's, here's the situation. My final, my four for right now, Georgia. I think Ohio State right now. So Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, USC is going to be the four. And boy, will that be fun. That will be fun. Yeah. Um, and and Ruse brings up an excellent point. It's hard to beat a, a team twice, right? Absolutely, it is. So you expect Tennessee to be ready next time. And listen, they they have not shut up. Tennessee fans have not shut up about this. Oh, catch us on a neutral site. Be careful what you wish for. I'm just letting y'all know that right now. Be careful what you wish for. Because, yes, we had you at home, but we, we literally let off the gas and dominated that game still. I mean, I, if, if you sit there and think about it, they had a couple of, couple of false start penalties they probably couldn't, they probably couldn't hear. 
do you really think that's what made the difference? Do you think if you take away those false starts and then you also, you know, take away, you know, uh, uh, the noise, do you think that would have helped him? No, I don't think so. Well, my thing anyway. is they still, they still are one of the most highly penalized teams in all of college football. You take away the false starts, yes or no. They didn't have a single holding penalty against all night. All night. You know, I mean, that's just that's just hard to imagine that you you went out and you blocked a perfect game against Georgia. But I'll catch y'all. I'm going to roll. Good to see everybody. See everybody Wednesday. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. This will be our last comment here. Uh, Root says neutral site. Catch us in a back alley. Try Jesus, not them dogs, because we eat their hands. Uh, listen, if if in the instance Georgia and Tennessee have a rematch, listen, Kirby won't be so generous. Nope. He will not. He will not take the ball out of Stetson's hand. If you go back on that game, Georgia dominated that first half, and all all it took was for the rain to come, to for Kirby to say, "All right, let's just run the ball down their throats because they're not stopping it enough." and sit there and kill eight minutes off a damn clock. It's that simple. Um, but those are our predictions for the top four or for the final four in regards to the playoff as it stands right now. Obviously, these are subject to change. So keep that in mind. Um, you've got our game balls. We've got the in-depth review. The SEC championship game is set. Getting ready to take on them. Bayou Bengals, hey, don't act like we forgot. We got receipts still. It's 2019. It's revenge season. Simple as that. Yes, with, that being said, with that being said, have a great rest of your Monday, and we'll catch y'all back here Wednesday. Go dogs. Go dogs.